Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, fellow Levinites, Rich Zioli in for the great one, and today it was proven, Mark was proven right, that yes, they did spy on the Trump campaign. That's what we know. The Republicans in charge today, the House Judiciary, Senate Judiciary Committee, and Lindsey Graham was on fire. They all were. And it's so great to see the Republicans in charge again, finally now. And yes, we know definitively, without question, yes, the Trump campaign was spied on. Exactly what they made fun of Mark Levin for months and months and years ago. And without question, between the Inspector General's report and the hearing today, it has been proven. It's on the record. And you're going to hear great audio tonight on The Mark Levin Show. 877-381-3811 is our number. 877-381-3811. You see, this is why I believe the Republicans in the Senate should have a long, drawn-out impeachment trial in the Senate. I do. I do. I know some people disagree. They go, come on, Zioli, listen. we got to get this done. Wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Get it, get it done. Move on. No. I say bring in Hunter Biden. I want two weeks with Hunter Biden. Have them cross-examine him, bring in the board of Burisma. What this guy do on the board anyway? And then bring in Joe Biden. Have Joe Biden explain how he got his kid the job, if anything, any influence. Remember, everybody's under oath. And if anyone lies, they charge him with lying, lying to Congress. Exactly what they've done to so many people in the Trump campaign. Charge him with lying to Congress. Send guys with 50 guns drawn to their house at, at 5.30 a.m. in the morning to arrest them on charges of lying to Congress. Do it. And... I wonder this, too, if we have this long drawn out Senate trial and we finally get Joe Biden on the record about why that prosecutor was fired. Remember the bragging by by Joe Biden. You've heard the clip. Mark's played it a bunch of times uh, bragging about getting the prosecutor fired. And I said, you know, six hours I'm at the hotel and I'm leaving with the money unless the guy's fired. I want to know more about that, don't you? Now that the trial is going to happen in the Senate, the Republicans have an amazing opportunity here to just get everything on the record, get it all out there on the record, all of it, each and every ounce of it, because the president did nothing wrong. And the president has a great argument to make about Ukraine corruption. I agree. So let's have it out. Let's finally show the world what he was talking about when he said, we got to get to the bottom of the Ukraine corruption, because you know, there was a lot of it back then. You know, as well as I do, there was a lot of it. And what we learned today from the inspector general going going back to this phony P dossier, that Christopher Steele dossier, what we know is that they knew it was fake back in January of 2017. They still relied on it, though, lied to FISA court judges. They actually changed emails, they, the federal offense. They fabricated an email and used that as part of a, a, a document to get a warrant from the FISA court. I mean, the stuff that happened here, one, one senator put it best. He said, I feel like I dropped acid. I can't even believe the stuff that I'm reading and hearing in this inspector general report, the Horowitz report. I can't even believe it. Remember, Horowitz is not there to criminally prosecute anybody. But he did say today the entire report is a referral for criminal prosecution. Yeah, that was big. When the inspector general said today the entire report 
is essentially now a referral for criminal prosecution. You know that that whole report's going to John Durham. Bull Durham, as the president called him last night at the rally, Bull Durham. It's going to John Durham, the special prosecutor, United States Attorney for Connecticut, appointed by Bill Barr to look into the origins of the Russia investigation. And he's got it. And he's going to look into this stuff with a lot of questions. An alteration of an email, purposely impacting a court document. I mean, just just imagine the the sort of Kafka-esque nonsense that went on here. And imagine what the government can do to you. I mean, the, the, the inspector general is giving a warning. We can't ever let this happen again. And we also have to wonder, is this happening to average, ordinary Americans? Or is it just presidential candidates they don't like? Imagine a world where the party in power gets to always stay in power because they get to use the federal law enforcement and the federal national security apparatus to ensure their guy or gal gets the election. Imagine that. We never we would not be a republic, right? There would never be another free election in this country again. Because I could run, I would never would. You crazy, would you crazy. But I could run and then I could be I could be winning and they decide they don't like me. I'm not in the club. They're in charge. So all the tools that we gave them over the years to keep us safe from terrorists and boogeymen and bad guys, they're now using politically, spying on us, getting warrants, abusing the FISA court, and they're in on the presidential campaign. And they get to make stuff up. We, they knew the dossier was funded by the DNC. They didn't care. They knew the dossier was fake. They didn't care. They knew all these things. They didn't care. Because they wanted to stop Donald Trump. The, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Department of Justice, I think the CIA was probably involved. I think we're going to find all this out as it goes on. Remember, the inspector general can only deal with the FBI. But that liar, John Brennan, the former head of the CIA, we're going to find out what his role in all this was. We do know from the inspector general's report that he did put the dossier in President Obama's national intelligence briefing. We know that. And we know that John Brennan lied to Congress when he said he never discussed it with Barack Obama. So he's a liar right there, and he should be charged with lying to Congress. I mean, he's, he's such a liar in so many different things, that John Brennan. He's always running around talking about President Trump has to be impeached, and this is, this is the, you know, the, the, our country's coming apart. Now, Lindsey Graham, as chairman today, did a great job. And, and I'm so happy to see the Republicans in charge because it's a much different feeling from Adam Schiff. You know, it's much different from the Adam Schiff show. First of all, nobody did any bad mobster impressions Nobody came out and did a little a little old time mobster routine like Adam shifted. Remember making up the whole thing about the phone call. You see, let's let's do this. Right. Let's see. You know, like some sort of bad James Cagney movie. Nobody did that today. Nobody made up anything. There was no bad acting. They stuck to facts. It was a very refreshing thing to see. Actual senators sticking to facts because the facts were so many. And there were some dopes, as usual, standing out, standout dopes like, uh, well, Blumenthal. I mean, that guy's a gift that keeps on giving in terms of dopeness. He, he actually tried to push the inspector general to say that the, the FISA warrants did produce actual useful intelligence. Wait till you hear this audio clip. I mean, inspector general's like, no, 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 I can't. I can't say that, Senator. Sorry, I can't. Maisie Hirono was a giant dope. But there were some some shining moments today. Senator Ted Cruz, Mike Lee. Of course, Mike Lee, who's one of the greatest, I think, one of the greatest constitutional minds. Besides Mark Levin, of course, but in the United States Senate. And yet they're going to impeach the president. Despite all this, they're going to impeach the president. Now, let's understand the politics of that for a moment, shall we? Because this is going to be their death now. I mean, there are 31 Democrats who are running for reelection in districts that Donald Trump won in 2016. These are districts that he won in 2016 and then they won in 2018. Let's take Pennsylvania, for example, where I'm broadcasting from. I do morning drive on WPHT 1210. 
Last night, the president had a rally in Hershey, Pennsylvania, home to Hershey Park and Hershey's Chocolate. Beautiful place to go, especially this time of year around Christmas time. The president was on stage last night, and Brad Parscale, his campaign manager, tweeted out some very interesting statistics. 20% of the people there registered Democrats. Now, these were not the kook protesters who, who had to get escorted out. These are people who came to support the president. These are union people, manufacturing people. These are the people who have been abandoned by the Democrat Party. They haven't changed their party registration, but they're Trump supporters. They're still registered as Democrats, but they voted for Trump in 2016, and they're going to vote for him again in 2020. And 20% of the crowd last night at this massive rally in Harrisburg, in Hershey Park, this massive crowd, 20% of them, have not voted since 2016. Now, that's very telling, right? Because if that's emblematic of the rest of the country, it means you got a whole lot of Trump supporters came out for him in 2016, stayed home in 2018 in the midterms. Stayed home in all these local dog catcher elections throughout the country, like Pennsylvania, where you heard the national media go, and more signs of how this state is getting blue. Delaware County is Democrat for the first time since the Civil War. No, look, the Trump supporters did not come out to those local elections for dog catcher and municipal judge and librarian. They just had better things to do, like work and family, but they will be out in November 2020. I promise you that. They will be out in November 2020. And guess what? Those 31 Democrats that won those seats because that 20% stayed home, well, that 20% is coming out. And those 31 Democrats, they're going to have a big, big problem because guess who else is running in 2020? That's right, Donald Trump. And now these Democrats have to run on the same ballot as he does. They've got to be tested now for their first term in Congress. And what have they done to go back to their constituents and say, what have I achieved? Nancy Pelosi announcing her support for the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement. She did this, I believe, to get them some cover. Give those 31 Democrats covers. So they go back to their districts and say, oh, no, no, look, 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 look. It's not just impeachment. We also, we also did this trade agreement. But the question that I have is that, is there a quid pro quo from Nancy Pelosi to these 31 Democrats? You know, I'll give you USMCA, but you got to vote for impeachment. I mean, Pelosi would love this to go away, but she can't. She's all in now. The kooks are running the, the, the party. They've completely, completely taken over. And she is not in control. She's in control in name only, but she's not really in control. But those 31 Democrats are nervous. Some of them are actually saying, can't we just censure the guy? Just issue a censure and move on? Oh, and these Democrats, they, these 31, they want this wrapped up before Christmas like a present under a tree, be gone, be over with. And I'll ask you this question. If impeachment was so popular for the Democrats, you think they'd wrap it up before Christmas? No, of course not, right? They drag it out into the new year. They drag it into January when everybody's back from their vacation. Drag it into January and February. They would not let go of this because the minute they have the vote, it's over. For them, it's over. And they know the president's going to be vindicated in the Senate. So why would the Democrats acquiesce so quickly and give it up if they know it's politically popular. No, they would hold on forever. You'd have nonstop hearings on these articles of impeachment, but instead they're rushing it. Why? Because they know how politically unpopular it is. And they know it puts these 31 Democrats in major, major peril, political peril of the worst kind. Because now they got to run with the president and that 20% that stayed home is coming out. And then the Senate trial begins in January after the bowl games are over. And I want a long, drawn-out Senate trial. I want senators up there cross-examining the Bidens. I want this to last and last and last for everyone to see. And then Donald Trump emerges victorious from all this, along with this great economy. 
And I think Republicans are not only going to win the White House again, the president's going to win, I, I think they're going to take back the House. I think all 31 of, me- of those members are probably going to lose. That's the way it's looking, and they're getting very nervous. 877-381-3811. I'm actually amazed at how politically stupid the Democrats are. I can't even believe, I can believe it, but they, this is, the, it's, it's political amateur hour. It really is. It's political amateur hour. But I love it. I love watching it. I love seeing it. And I loved seeing the Senate Judiciary Committee today get it on the record once and for all that, yes, President Trump was spied on. His campaign was spied on. And if they did it to him, they could do it to you. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one coming right back. Mark Levin. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College, and to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And as we look at the Senate hearing today with the adults in charge, finally, it was beautiful to listen to them actually get the inspector general on the record to say, yeah, you know what? Uh, They spied. They spied on the president. They spied on his campaign. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli from WPHT, Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Great to be with you tonight. 877-381-3811. That's why I want a long, drawn-out trial. I want to get these people on the stand. I want to get them on the record. I want everyone to hear about the corruption. I do. I want it. I want it to happen. I mean, think about some of the great minds that can ask questions, because Republicans can control the rules. Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, even Lindsey Graham. I mean, he was great today. Have these people go in there, these senators... Grassley did, did a great job today and ask the questions. Joe Biden, what did you know about your son's role in Burisma? Did you make a call to anyone? Did you say anything to anyone about his role on the board of Burisma? Did you did you brag about it while you were over there? Uh, and, and the prosecutor getting fired. Uh, were you aware he was investigating Burisma at the time? Oh, you were. Did that factor into anything? You know who this hurts, right? More than anybody. And I've said this on my morning drive show over and over again. This hurts Joe Biden. This does not hurt Donald Trump. I mean, look, I don't want the guy impeached. I'm very fond of the president. I was in the Oval Office with him a couple weeks ago. Uh, he, he gave me an exclusive interview. I don't want him impeached because it's, it's a obviously it's a historical star. But at the same time, politically speaking, he is crushing it. I mean, at this rally last night in Hershey. You had thousands of people there. They're screaming, they're dancing, they're chanting. His base is fired up. That's what's happening. The, the, the end result of this is his base is fired up more than I've ever seen them before. And yet Joe Biden, he can't escape this. Washington Post today had a story that Joe Biden is now getting asked about Ukraine everywhere he goes. And I'll bet you some of that 
are his Democrat opponents who they have plants. They send plants to these different town hall meetings all the time. You know, the candidates will be doing an event. Someone will stand up and ask a question. It's usually a plan from another campaign. A lot of people don't really go to a lot of these things because they have jobs. But well, they're Democrats. They probably don't. Never mind. But somebody asked him over and over again about Ukraine and Burisma, and he hates it. Well, I mean, you saw the video last week, right? Of the guy called the guy fat. Listen, fatty. I mean, he said that to a guy. He said it was fact, but we heard the guy fat shame him, call the guy a liar because the guy accused his son of being corrupt. Oh, yeah. Joe Biden does not want to be talking about this. And yet I've actually speculated maybe President Trump is the whistleblower because he's not being hurt by this in any way, shape or form. Not a single senator I don't think is going to vote to remove him from office. Not a single member of the House is going to vote to impeach him. A Republican member of the House, I should say. And yet his base is fired up more so than ever before. But Biden's on the ropes. His fundraising is in is in the absolute toilet. Why do you think Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York and a gajillionaire, jumped in the race? And I got to tell you, as I do my morning show in Philly, I'm looking at the TV. Bloomberg is already running ads in Pennsylvania. The the primary is not until April. So Bloomberg is dropping 60 trillion dollars to run for president. Why do you think he's doing that? He was a Biden guy. He was supporting Joe Biden. Because he knows Biden's toast. He knows that if Biden becomes the nominee, he's going to stand on that stage with President Trump and President Trump is going to clean his clock. He's going to be painted exactly like Hillary Clinton was corrupt, slimy, sleazy, swampy, using the power of government to enrich himself and his friends and his family members. And the president is going to clean his clock. That and the fact that Biden won't remember where he is. And he'll be up there going, it's great to be on the debate stage tonight in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're, we're in Iowa. Right, Iowa. The guy, the guy has no sense of geography. Now, maybe he'll break out something about his hairy man legs or something. I mean, that's just weird. All that pool stuff with kids touching his hairy blonde man legs and sitting on his lap. I mean, it's bizarre. He's the front runner for the Democrats. Seriously, that's the front runner. So Donald Trump is doing just fine. The president's doing just fine in all this. And we're exposing the corruption. We're exposing how people like James Comey and Clapper and Brennan, how these swamp creatures are incredibly unethical, how they abuse the Bill of Rights with reckless abandon to get their way politically. Exactly what the framers feared, exactly what the founders feared, exactly what George Orwell feared, exactly what a lot of us feared, as we were seeing them take more and more power under the guise of protecting us from bad guys. They're getting on the record, and soon in the Senate, even more people will be on the record, and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But let me ask you tonight on the Mark Levin Show, do you think the Senate should do a quick trial? Do you think the president's in trouble? Let me know your thoughts, because I know there's debate on that, whether or not the president should do a quick trial. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli for the great one. Mark Levin, great to be with you tonight. Coming straight back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat 
so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu, that's hillsdale.edu, for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Plastic Conservative Fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. It turns out James Comey lied on multiple occasions when he said, I don't know if the dossier is real or not. We just don't know. Well, now we know James Comey, the former FBI director, was lying. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. He'll be back tomorrow. Rich Zioli from his hometown of Philadelphia, WPHT where I do the morning show, 877-381-3811 is our number. The question for you, do you think there should be a long, drawn-out Senate trial? Yeah, I do. I, I think so. And the reason why is because I want these senators to get the Bidens on the record. I want the senators to get uh, maybe Obama on the record, too. What did he know with regards to the prosecutor getting fired, the aid that was withheld? I want all of that on the record. And with the Republicans in charge of the trial, they can set the rules They can shut Democrats out exactly like the Democrats did in the House to the Republicans. Just shut them out, wouldn't entertain any of their parliamentary motions, just completely ignored them. They can do the same in the Senate. And with that kind of time and power, what's the rush? I mean, get it all on the record. Let America see it. I'm just tired of these people getting a pass. You know, I'm really tired of us knowing that they're corrupt and crooked and swamp creatures and enriching themselves. And but they seem to always get away with it. Right. They won't get away with it if we can expose on national television exactly what they did. And that's what has to happen, in my opinion. But hey, maybe you disagree. Maybe you say, no, listen, Rich, it's got to be quick. We got to wrap it up and move on. I understand that thinking. I just think it would be a wasted opportunity. If you know the president is going to be vindicated in the Senate, you know he's going to be found not guilty, as as it were, in the trial. He's not going to be removed from office. Why not make a show of it? It's funny because the president wants a long trial. He understands the showman aspect of it. But I guess McConnell doesn't agree. He's worried about some of the vulnerable members and he wants it just to be wrapped up and move on. So Susan Collins can go home to Maine and, and, and say, I, oh, I, I voted to acquit, but I, I don't want to talk about it, I guess. 877-381-3811. All right, let us go to Matt is in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown and Mark Levin's hometown. What's up, Matt? Hey, Rich, how are you? It's good, good to buddy. hear you. I uh, miss Mark Levin, but I'm glad you're filling in. Thank you. Hey, so I was I was thinking, if we started endorsing, look, I, I'm ready to contribute to Joe Biden right now. If the Republicans just draw out his testimony till late September, early October, he gets the nomination in April, he's campaigning, everybody's like psyched for Joe Biden, then he gets exposed as being a crook and a fraud, then you've got somebody who's got maybe, what, 45 days to start campaigning? I think, it, I think it might benefit the Republican Party to kind of start attacking Elizabeth Warren and everybody else who might have a chance to let Joe Biden get the nomination and destroy him in the Senate. Kind of do a little Operation Chaos, right, to make sure he is, in fact, the nominee? Testify. Preach on, my brother. All right, my man. Thank you for the call, Matt. Mark will be back tomorrow night, 877-381-3811. David is in Richland, Washington. David, great to hear from you. Hi. Um, I totally agree with what you're talking about. It should be drawn out, like you said, and it should be exposed. 
I'm just afraid that the Senate Republicans are saying, no, let's put this to bed real quick because there will also be implicated. I don't believe that McConnell is cleaning. Um, you know, he's probably corrupt as well, and he's probably afraid all that stuff will come out against him as well. So I think that's why they want this to be done and over with. But uh, and that's unfortunate. But I mean, I to protect one of their own. Biden was a senator. So it's that kind of senatorial courtesy. I, I believe so. I mean, this goes farther deep than just the Democrats. Some of these Republicans have been there for so long. I am almost positive that they are just as corrupt. Yeah, look, it's a legit point. David, thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show. It's a legit point. It's just that what I saw today, and look, Donald Trump is a game changer. There's no question about it. Yes, another president would be under the desk sucking his thumb with a blankie, calling mommy. There's no question in my mind about it. He gets fired up for the fight. He does. He loves it. He loves the fight. and it's, He's like a boxer. It's just they come at him and he just keeps coming. It, it motivates him. There are other presidents right now who'd be coward, cowering in fear in the Oval Office and, and just letting it all just absolutely descend upon them. But he's not that way. And I think the Republicans see that and realize, oh, wow, we can fight back. Look at us. We have the ability to fight back against these people. Well, this feels so good. See, that's the game changer of President Trump, is that he's not one of those feckless GOP types that we're all used to. And so a lot of them see that now, even Lindsey Graham, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, what what were we saying about Lindsey Graham pre-Trump? You know what we were saying. I don't have to repeat it. But what are we saying now? We're saying, great job today. Chairman Graham leading the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. In fact, you know what? Let me play a clip, if I could, Mr. Producer. Let's play a clip of Lindsey Graham today as he uh, as he talked to the Inspector General Horowitz. He asked about the IG report, the FBI. He asked about a number of things today. Let's do cut 10. What happened here can never happen again, because what happened here is not a few irregularities. What happened here is the system failed. People at the highest level of our government took the law in their own hands. And when I say defraud the FISA court, I mean it. To your team, you were able to uncover and discover abuse of power I never believed would actually exist in 2019. How bad is it? Is as, it was, is, was as if J. Edgar Hoover came back to life. The old FBI, the FBI that had a chip on its shoulder and wanted to intimidate people and find out what was going on in your life and the law be damned. Martin Luther King and just fill in the names. You know, the point about Jagger Hoover coming back, uh, minus the, uh, the close, is a great point because truly this FBI is all about going after political enemies. Donald Trump was, a, was their political enemy. They hated the guy. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, the two of them, the lovers, back and forth, back and forth, talking about how much they hate this president, we're going to stop this president. What does that convey to you? See, to me, it conveys people that say, we've got all this power. Look at us. We've got guns, warrants. we got badges. We can use all this power to get what we want politically. It's exactly what J. Edgar Hoover was doing and so many other people around back then. But, you know, you think about from J. Edgar Hoover's time as the head of the FBI to now. How much more power we've given our government over us. How much more of our liberties we have ceded to them in the name of safety. How much more power. There was no FISA court back then. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. There was no way for this secret court to spy on American citizens. You had to do it the old-fashioned way by going to an actual judge. 
and following the due process clause of the Constitution. We created the FISA court so we could have another secret way to get, to get the bad guys, but now it's backfiring on U.S. citizens. But J. Edgar Hoover didn't have that power. So think of how much worse it actually is now because of all the different tools we've given them in the name of safety. In the name of, please, just keep us safe. And as we do that, we did that thinking to ourselves, yeah, they could abuse it, but eh, if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. Remember that? People say that you say that to me all the time. Oh, Rich, if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. Ah, but that's not true now, is it? What did Trump do wrong? Nothing. He did nothing wrong. And yet, they did all this to him. And like I say, if he was a, uh, a lesser president, if he was a guy who was a little bit more of a uh, coward, he would be sniveling under the desk with his blankie and, his, and calling mommy and, yeah, a bottle under his Absolutely he would. That's what the goal was. I mean, the, the ultimate goal was to just get him so mired in investigations that it crippled his presidency and, and they got nothing out of it. And they figured the Republicans would turn on him. They didn't want him there anyway. And then Trump would be out. That was their play. That was their long-term play. And they were going to use all the powers that we, the people, gave them to keep us safe. They were going to use all those powers to get their political outcome. And we know that. We know that from what was revealed in the dossier, from the inspector general's report into the dossier, what the inspector general said today. We know this. It's on the record. It's on the facts. And we will hopefully get more as John Durham continues his investigation. Let's go to Joe is in Memphis, Tennessee. Joe, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me answer your question. Um, I believe if it goes quickly, Trump's going to win and the Democrats will use the uh, speed of it to just say it wasn't a fair trial and they will continue to cry for years, maybe decades. I don't know. I can't see the future. Great point. That that's a, you know what, sir? That's an excellent point, right? If they were to wrap it up in 48 hours, then every history professor in, in the country at liberal indoctrination universities would teach that the trial was rushed. It wasn't real. It was a fake trial. You're exactly right. Of course. And if we do do it, the, I think the right way, the better way is to make it last a little bit longer. They won't be able to use that excuse. He, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump will get off anyway. He's going to he's going to be OK either way. But they just won't have that, you know, deranged uh, mentality towards it that we did it unfairly. And I think Donald Trump is going to get off either way. Um, that's right. It's not like if it's a long trial, they're going to find some smoking gun. And no, no, of course not. So to your point, since he has nothing to worry about in the sense of the trial, Republicans are all with him. He didn't do anything wrong. These articles of impeachment are a joke. Yeah, might as well play it out. Might as well pl play it out on prime time and uh, have some fun with it. And they can record it as the longest impeachment trial in the history of our country. And they will find nothing. And if we do it quickly, we'll get back to regular business, and that's what I want. But we can't do that with them being so deranged. We can't. With the Democrats being so off, it's, it's just not possible to do it quickly, I think. Joe, thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it. Richard is in Bayside, New York. Richard, long trial or short trial? Uh, as long as it can be, Richard. Uh, I think that uh, the longer it goes, the more the Democrats will be exposed for the zombies that they are. And uh, it, it just, you know, Trump will be vindicated one way or another. Uh, I think that this will short circuit the Democrats' plan, which is more and more obvious, to say that Trump is complicit in fixing the 2020 election, 
which is just over the top. But they're trying to set up things to make it seem that the 2020 election will be illegitimate because, well, he already uh, you know, was involved in the 2016 election. So you know, any Republican that wins uh, will win illegitimately. And I think that's where the Democrats are going. As long as the trial can take. And that will also keep those Democrat senators off the campaign trail, which is also a beautiful thing. Oh, I agree. That's a, that's an added bonus to that, without question. Uh, Richard, thanks for the call to the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, in fact, today, Lindsey Graham said to Senator Kamala Harris, uh, welcome back, Senator, after her failed presidential run. 877-381-3811. Yeah, no, think about it. You'd have uh, Harris there. You, well, she's dropped out. But uh, Elizabeth Warren, America's mother-in-law, she would be there. She'd pull her off the campaign trail. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders would be there yelling, I assume, like he does all the time, yelling at the Senate trial, yelling that he wants to go home. Amy Klobuchar, not that she has a chance of anything. I mean, she's clearly running for vice president, but she's back. She's back there to be part of the Senate trial. And, and, And funny enough, that leaves Joe Biden out there, right, to become the nominee. There was a time when If you had told me Joe Biden was going to be the nominee, I would have said to you, well, you know, he's probably the strongest Democrat out there to take on Donald Trump. Now I say to you tonight on the Mark Levin show, I say to you, he is the dream candidate. The dream candidate for Trump to go against. Absolutely. For a number of reasons. First of all, he doesn't have that enthusiastic base that Bernie and Elizabeth Warren do. I mean, he's those two have the kooks. The kooks love them and they're actually divided kooks. So if they teamed up like some sort of Ghostbusters, you know, Keymaster gatekeeper thing, then I don't know what's going to happen. But that that socialist energy would would form of of, uh, God only knows. And could they win? I mean, anything's possible. Joe Biden doesn't have anything like that. The guy can't fill a room unless he gives everybody a seat and a board. He can't. And so Joe Biden as the nominee without having that diehard base. And you know what else? All those Elizabeth Warren and Bernie bros, all those people and that energy that they have for those candidates, if if, if their candidate's not the nominee, they're, they're staying home in 2020. I got news for you. They're staying home. They are not going to let the DNC establishment win again. This is a big picture for them. It's a big picture. They want this is years and years of a takeover of the DNC led by people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. There's no way they're going to let an establishment guy like Biden get the nomination. So they're going to stay home. You don't believe me? The reason why there's Democrats saying if Trump wins, we'll impeach him again. The progressive base will absolutely say that. They'll go to brunch with their friends and they'll say, there's no rush. We're just going to impeach him again. But it'll be an open seat in 2024. We don't have to worry about Joe Biden having eight years or Joe Biden and then another establishment hack. But Joe Biden becomes the ideal candidate. Donald Trump can punch him, expose his corruption while he's on the campaign trail. They're exposing his corruption at the Senate trial and keeping the two candidates that could actually be a threat with all of their socialist kook followers in the Senate during the trial. It's absolutely brilliant, that added bonus to all this. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli from WPHT. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Long trial, short trial. Straight ahead. Mark Levin. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades... 
the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, the uh, argument about a quick trial, uh, because otherwise we legitimize the impeachment of Donald Trump. I, I don't I don't agree with that analysis, but uh, you're free to let me know also on Twitter, by the way, at Rich Zioli, as I fill in for Mark Levin tonight. Mark's back with you tomorrow. Uh, and maybe he'll have a different take than me on this. I, I just think that if the Republicans go in there and say, all right, vote guilty, not guilty, it's over. History is going to record that not as. The impeachment clause of the Constitution is preserved. History is going to record that as a as a fake trial, uh, kangaroo court. And we know that the House was right. Now, you have a long trial dragged on. It, it doesn't change the context of the impeachment clause. It, it, actually, if anything, I think it strength, strengthens it. And the reason why is because at that moment you get to show what an absolute joke this process was. You get to show what a joke it was. But if you just go in there and go, all right, uh, should we remove them? No, the, the eyes have it. Let's let's go. Let's go have lunch and it's over. We're not going to give this any credibility. It already has credibility by virtue of the fact that they voted to impeach him. And that's how history is going to record it. So the only opportunity you have to push back on that is to do a trial and expose the fact that this impeachment was flawed by just throwing it out. Doesn't make it any less flawed. But when you show the American people why it was flawed. And you take your time. And at the same time, you expose the people who really were the corrupt ones. How do you lose in that sense? How does, how does that hurt anybody? Unfortunately, the impeachment clause is the impeachment clause. It is what it is. And yes, I agree with Mark Levin. This is an absolute illegitimate impeachment. But history is going to record it either way as an impeachment. So I say have a trial. Have some fun with it. Expose these jerks for who they are. And then... The college professors will have to stand there and say it was the longest trial in Senate history. Took months till they voted to acquit Donald Trump. I don't know. I just maybe I guess I'm I'm looking at the theatrics of it more than anything. But I don't see how the Constitution suffers in that perspective. And the only reason why they want to wrap it up is for political purposes to protect some of the senators. It's not Mitch McConnell's not worried about the, the impeachment clause or the Constitution being hurt. He just wants to get some of these senators back on the campaign trail. I get it. I get it. But how great would it be if we got to the bottom of Burisma? Now, you could do a quick trial and then still have a committee hearing on Joe Biden and Burisma. I just don't know if it would have the same tooth. But that's the question. But what was exposed today? You got to hear this. Great audio ahead at hour number two on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, coming right back. He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. They exposed a lot of spying today, a lot of dirty tricks, and no, James Comey is not vindicated by the IG's report. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli from his home base of Philadelphia, WPHT. Great to be with you tonight. Phil Levinites, 877-381-3811. So the Horowitz report today, the Inspector General was in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. The Senate Republicans, now it's their turn. After watching the Adam Schiff show and after watching the joke of an impeachment that we saw with Gerald Nadler, uh, it's now the Republicans' turn. Now, unlike the House impeachment hearings, the, the daytime shows were not interrupted for the hearing of the IG today. That, that's important to understand. The, the, the daytime programming continued, so America's brain was collectively melted again by the ladies on The View without interruption and soap operas as well. But the actual CNN cutting out of the beginning where the opening comments were. CNN's getting blasted for that. But then again, CNN, what bias would you expect, right? Anything less? No, of course not. But Fox News, they carried the whole thing. And I watched it. I watched a lot of it today. And there were some amazing moments that were exposed. Remember, the Inspector General's report is to show what the FBI did wrong. What the FBI and the Department of Justice did wrong. But that's only a piece of it. I mean, this is bigger than just the FBI. This involves the CIA as well. And that's what Durham's going to get to the bottom of. But today was just a great reminder of, you know, when when the adults are back in charge, it's nice. It's fun. It's fun to watch. 877-381-3811. Let's have a little audio, shall we, uh, today. First of all, this is idiot Senator Richard Blumenthal, uh, who's a fraud and lied about military service. Uh, Richard Blumenthal questioning Inspector General Horowitz about the FISA Act. Now, what's amazing about this clip is Blumenthal is leading the inspector general down a path. And the inspector general is not going there. But Blumenthal is, quite frankly, too dumb to figure that out. Cut eight. At this point, from from my standpoint, people can have that viewpoint. But that wasn't our conclusion. And just one last question. Those FISA warrants, mm-hmm. they were renewed a number of times, correct? Three times. Based on your experience and maybe your report, there's a reason why warrants are renewed. They're renewed because they are producing useful information, correct? Or they should be producing useful information. They should be. That's how I'll and, phrase it. And your review of those warrants would indicate that they were producing useful information, correct? Um, not sure that's entirely correct, and I don't know how much I can say about that in this setting. Well, they were producing information. They were producing information. I'm not sure how I would characterize whether they were helpful or not. Listen, idiot, they didn't help. All right. They didn't help your cause of proving Russian collusion. That's what the inspector general is trying to politely tell you. That's what it's a, there's an aide that should like tug his jacket and go, Senator, don't keep going down this road. You moron. You're just proving the fact that these FISA warrants were irrelevant in terms of getting any information at all. Well, they got information, right? Some information. Yeah. I mean, they found what the guy ordered for lunch. I guess that. Yeah, they got that information. I mean, technically anything is information, but it doesn't make it information that's useful information. Dummy. Well, then again, of course, he's not the most intelligent guy in that committee. And I mean that he's by that. He's the absolute the dumbest guy in that committee, without a doubt. One of the smartest guys on the committee, of course, is Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Ted Cruz. Very, very smart, very good debater as well. 
He's on with uh, the Inspector General Horowitz. There's a whole thing with this email that was altered, purposely so, and then used in the FISA court application to get the warrants to spy on Carter Page. So that's a federal offense right there, and that's something that could get somebody serious jail time. But in a criminal trial, in a criminal proceeding, that would also render a mistrial. Without question, it would. Cut 11. Let me read on page 256 of the OIG report, the final paragraph, consistent with the Inspector General Act of 1978 and following OIG's discovery that the OGC attorney had altered the email that he sent to the supervising agent, who thereafter relied on it to swear out the final FISA application. So the, so the men and women at home need to know what's happening. A lawyer at the FBI creates fraudulent evidence, alters an email, that is in turn used as the basis for a sworn statement to the court that the court relies on. Am I stating that accurately? Uh, that's correct. That is what occurred. Now, you have worked in, in law enforcement a long time. Is the pattern of a Department of Justice employee altering evidence and submitting fraudulent evidence that ultimately gets submitted to a court, is that commonplace? Is that typical? Um, I have not seen uh, an alteration of an email end up uh, impacting a court document like this. In any, in any ordinary circumstance, if a private citizen did this, fabricated evidence, and by the way, what he inserted was not just slightly wrong, it was 180 degrees opposite what the evidence said. So the intelligence agency said this guy is a source, and he inserted this guy is not a source. If a private citizen did that in any law enforcement investigation, if they fabricated evidence and reversed what it said, in your experience, would that private citizen be prosecuted for fabricating evidence, be prosecuted for obstruction of justice, be prosecuted for perjury? Um, they certainly would be considered for that if there was an intentional effort to deceive the court. On this one, I'm going to um, defer because, as we noted here in, in the sentence you indicated, we referred that over to the attorney general and the FBI director for handling. Oh, did you catch that last part? We referred that over to the attorney general. And John Durham, the special prosecutor, I'm calling him that, I don't know the exact title, but uh, the Attorney General and then the United States Attorney for Connecticut, John Durham, who's in charge of the investigation, we referred it over to them for any criminal inquiry. Oh, that would be beautiful. If they actually charged this guy who altered this email and lied about this and made this all up, that would be beautiful, right? I would just say to Senator Ted Cruz's point, he's 100% correct. If a private citizen this, if you or I did this, we would go to prison. We would go to prison. You know it and I know it. They would come down on us. First of all, we, we, it, there would not even be a knock at the door. It would be 530 in the morning, and then the door would be knocked down, and then 35 federal agents with, with guns drawn. We'd be dragged off. Just like what happened with Roger Stone and Paul Manafort. Dragged off like we're some sort of a, a, a terrorist. We probably would not have access to counsel for hours. They probably would scare the bejesus out of us. And then they go, you, 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 miss, you, you altered an email. You altered an email. We got you. This carries a minimum jail sentence of seven to 150 years, whatever it is. I don't know the statute, but, and we got you. So now tell us everything you know about everything. If you or I did that, we'd be toast. But also at a criminal trial, this, this would be thrown out. I mean, that, that whole, that, that entire, that would be basis for a mistrial. The entire chain of evidence would be thrown out. I'm not an attorney, but I, I I watch enough court dramas to know that part. 
and to know that it violates every tenet of due process. And the government fabricating evidence against us when we have a presumption of innocence, which is enshrined in the Bill of Rights. A presumption of innocence, in fact, the Bill of Rights is our protection from our government because we have to be protected from a government that is able to have all this power against us. And you look at all the, the, the various amendments, and of course, if you've read Mark Levin's books like I have, I mean, Mark goes into great detail about this, but these amendments are there in the Bill of Rights to, to ensure that the rights we have given to us by God are written down and they're there for us to be able to use. And they're, they're about, in many cases, protecting us from criminal prosecution by the government on false, phony charges. Because they knew back then that, yes, governments can do this for the purposes of politics. So we got to make sure that the citizen has a ton of protections. So knowing that, when you find out that the government's fabricating emails to get warrants to spy on private citizens, innocent American citizens, by the way, you understand why a judge who really believes in the Constitution, believes in the Bill of Rights, believes that it is there to protect your liberty from your government would be furious, right? 877-381-3811. Let us go to George in Clayton, North Carolina. George, you are on the Mark Levin Show. Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm going to try to make this really, really quick. Um, number one, I hope Lindsey Graham talks slower than Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, draw it out. And But here's my other big point, is we can't afford to just let Trump win all of his battles. We cannot let this country turn into another Virginia. And I, I would love to see uh, the great one, have a brainstorm session live with Sonny Johnson, uh, you know, that's the other, uh, she's on Saturday mornings. They got, they are two incredible out of the box thinkers. And well, let's, by the way, Virginia is a great point you bring up with Virginia. And I love the, uh, the, the rebellion that's going on there with people who are saying, you're not taking away our second amendment rights. It's 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 a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch these sheriffs and other law enforcement people say we're not enforcing this unconstitutional law. I love it. It's turning the sanctuary city and sanctuary state right on their head. But but what's what's critical, what is criminal is that the GOP only that clown that is a, a he's a I'm sorry, he's who is the clown who? The Mar Morrissey, he's a um, the word he's a pedophile. That's what I was trying to All say. Right, right. Let's just stick to the, the impeachment stuff. But George, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight five eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Just focus on the impeachment trial. I don't, I have no idea what that is. Uh, here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia. I'm telling you, this this what was exposed today proves what Mark Levin has been saying for a long time. And Mark was right. You know, when, when Stephen Colbert mocked him and belittled him because Mark Levin said the president was being spied on, when the president was mocked and belittled because he said, my phones were wiretapped at Trump Tower, they weren't wrong. We know that from what came out today. They were not wrong. And you know what? Here, here's something else, too. And this is, this is really important, this exchange that I've got to play you. And I'll, I'll get to this in a second. So, uh, so stick around for this. But really the question of whether or not there was spying on the presidential campaign. 
This exchange with Chuck Grassley and Horowitz, without question, proves it. The FBI deceptively used strategic intelligence briefings given to the Trump campaign as their way in to spy and gather intelligence. The That point alone right there was worth the entire price of admission for this hearing today by the Senate Judiciary Committee. The entire price of admission. And when you hear this, you're going to understand firsthand, wow, yes, they really... This, this, this idea of spying on a presidential campaign to gain access, to gain information, to affect the outcome of an election, this is not crazy conspiracy stuff. This literally happened in our country, in the United States of America, and they almost got away with it. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. The Great One's back tomorrow. Rich Zioli coming right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I think I sent Mr. Producer about 75 clips to play. There's just a lot of audio today. It's just one of those days. Here on the Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli in for the great one. I am broadcasting from WPHT in Philadelphia. I do the morning drive there. Uh, Right steps away, by the way, from Independence Hall, from the Constitution Center. And it's always great to be able to be with you tonight. Uh, Mark and I go way back. He's, He's actually the guy who inspired me to get into talk radio, and I think the world of him so... Uh, always an honor when I get the call to fill in for him. He'll be back tomorrow night, 877-381-3811. And by the way, his uh, his conversation with Alan Dershowitz is a must, must watch from his show on Fox News Sunday night. Absolutely must watch if you haven't seen it. Two great constitutional minds coming together. It was t- terrific. Now today, Chuck Grassley, Senator Chuck Grassley, this exchange with the Inspector General Horowitz, this proves the spying is real. This proves that this was not some kooky conspiracy theory. You don't have to take your tinfoil hats off for this. This is as real as it gets. Now, understand that the FBI was going in to give intelligence briefings to both campaigns, the Trump campaign and the Clinton campaign. But they had a nefarious motive when it came to, co- to giving the, the same briefing to the Trump campaign. This is critical here. Cut 12. We noted that text messages between Strzok and Page indicated that the FBI may have used defensive briefings not to warn the Trump campaign, but to investigate it. Four questions along this line. Question number one, would you agree that with respect to the defensive briefings, the Trump campaign's briefings were treated differently than those provided to the Clinton campaign? Um, 
if I could, they were called strategic. It was not an FBI briefing. The FBI went to a um, office of the national uh, director of national intelligence briefing. It was a strategic counterintelligence briefing. And the, I mentioned that because it precisely wasn't a defensive briefing. It was an intelligence briefing. And it, they were treated differently in that the agent wrote it up to the file and, and put the information in the file. The briefings were identical, but the net result was one was for investigative purposes and one was purely for the intelligence briefing. One was for investigative purposes and one was for the intelligence briefing. So under the guise of giving intelligence briefings to the potential president of the United States of America, the FBI is in the room gathering intelligence. Now, what, what do you call that out of, out of curiosity? What, what's another word for that? Hmm, let's see. People are, 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 are under, they're posing as somebody else or they're posing as a, with a different agenda than what they're really doing for the purposes of getting information. Gee, what's a word for that? A good word for that. I'm not a big Scrabble guy. It's like a three letter word starts with S. I can't spy. Spy. Oh, spy. Yes. Spy. Right. Spy. That's what we call somebody like that. You know, the, the, the secret identity of James Bond, he goes in as an FBI agent there to give you intelligence, but actually he's getting intelligence. Well, this isn't a movie, kids. This really took place. Right there is all the proof you need that the FBI was, in fact, spying on the campaign. The minute that they walked in the room and they go, hey, we're the FBI. We're here to give you an intelligence briefing. And by that, we mean spy on you. The minute that that happened, they spied on the campaign. And, and, and you just heard that confession. You just heard that from the inspector general. Now, the Hillary Clinton campaign, they got an actual briefing. They got an actual intelligence briefing from the FBI, whatever it's called, whatever the little term was. They had the actual strategic briefing. One was to give information. The other was to get information. One was for information purposes. One was for investigative purposes. The investigative purposes, that is the spying on the Trump campaign right there investigative purposes they go in to brief the neck the potential next president of the united states of america who by the way becomes the president and they're there to spy on him oh unbelievable by the way wouldn't it be fun if all this came out in the senate trial could you know it really could all of this and so much more. 877-381-3811, The Mark Levin Show. I want to hear from you. Long trial, short trial, and wait until you hear the exchange with Lindsey Graham on FISA surveillance. You don't want to miss this. Straight ahead. Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans, and you can call at 877-381-3811. The dossier was a uh, fugazi, as I love to say. It's a fake. It was a fraud. And they knew it, though. They knew it, and yet they still acted like it was real. The Mark Levin Show. Great to be with you tonight. Rich Zioli from WPHT in Philadelphia. 877-381-3811. Mark is back tomorrow night. Uh, great piece over at uh, Breitbart.com. Uh, terrific piece over there. At um... Daniel Goldman, lead impeachment investigator, claimed the Steele dossier was true. That's right. Claimed it was true. But the Department of Justice Inspector General reporting to the FBI abuses confirmed Wednesday in testimony of the Senate Judiciary Committee that the Steele dossier was a fraud. The IG also found that the FBI had misled the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court by failing to tell it that the Steele dossier was false 
once it knew, and it knew that for certain in early 2017. And remember, uh, James Comey was out there telling everybody, well, we don't know if it's true or not. We don't know. The P dossier, we just, we, just don't, we just don't know. They knew, and they still use it anyway. I want you to think about this for a moment, especially maybe you're a Trump hater. Maybe you're, maybe you're a lefty. I don't know. Maybe you are. Just leave Trump's name out of it for a second. Your government, the government of the United States of America, used its law enforcement and national intelligence capabilities to spy on a presidential campaign to try to influence the outcome of that election. They, they, they made up stuff. They, they surveilled private citizens, American citizens. They, they fabricated documents. They left material information, exculpatory evidence out from their requests for subpoenas and warrants. Now, think about that for a second. Leave Donald Trump out of it and tell me that that does not send a chill down your spine. Because you know as well as I do that if you found – just imagine if we found out that the George W. Bush Department of Justice did this to candidate Barack Obama. Michael Moore would make a movie out of it. There would be protests. I mean every late-night show would be outraged, and rightfully so, by the way. It would be nonstop. Nobody would call it a conspiracy. And when it all came to light, heads would roll. But with Trump, they go, well, I mean, yeah, so what? No big deal. No, it's not a big deal because if they did it to him, they can do it to you. Don't you understand? He's got more power than you, and they still did it. And they, they still, even after he became the president of the United States of America, they were still trying to get the guy. And he's got way more power than you do or I do. I mean, you may have friends in high places, but he's the literal friend in high place. And they were going after him. So what protections do you have, do I have, from a government that is willing to do this to get what it wants politically? None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. That's the problem. That's the problem if you allow this to stand. If you allow this to stand, then basically what you're saying is whoever the last party in is, last political party, they get to pick. They get to pick the successors for the rest of the history of the republic, only it won't be a republic anymore because they'll make sure that their person gets in and then they'll be able to do all the tinkering they want to do with the Constitution, get rid of the Electoral College, let illegal immigrants vote. You know, in New Jersey, they're going to vote to give driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. And in my state of New Jersey, where I live, when you get your driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote now. So I don't know. I mean, does that mean that they're voting? I guess. I guess. This is the, the grand master scheme of the left to ultimately take over the United States of America. And in order to do so, to give, to give you the America that Bernie Sanders promises, they got to break some rules. They got to, you know... They got to fudge it a little bit. This is why they hate the Constitution. I mean, at the end of the day, these socialists hate the Constitution and the Bill of Rights because it restrains them. It restrains them. Elizabeth Warren, America's mother-in-law, stood there and said, I want to be the last president ever elected by the Electoral College. What? Huh? Really? And I guess she has no idea how an amendment to the Constitution works. If you're going to do an amendment to take away an amendment, there's a process by that, which involves states voting in a period of time, and it's supposed to take a long time. But, you know, she'll probably do it by executive order, I would imagine. And nobody will care if she wins. They'll just go, yeah, 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 that's, that's fine. Here's my executive order, ignoring the Constitution, ignoring the Electoral College. And they pack the court. The Supreme Court justices say, fine, no big deal. I'm just saying that if you are okay with that, then let me give you another scenario, which is that the Trump administration decides to spy on the next Democrat running for president who actually, you know, becomes a nominee. They do exactly what was done to him, to that person. Let's say, let's say it's Joe Biden. Let's say it's Biden. And they, they do exactly what was done to President Trump, to Joe Biden. Are you okay with that? Well, it's different because Putin, Russians. No, it's not different. 
At no point did they ever find any collusion. So it's really not different because Donald Trump never did anything wrong. Do you realize that they never found anything that said Donald Trump or anyone in the campaign did anything wrong? In fact, Lindsey Graham, chairman of the Judiciary Committee today, did an excellent job in the Senate. There with the inspector general, he asked that question. Cut nine. Has anybody been charged with working with the Russians illegally working with the Russians that were part of the Trump campaign that you know of? Not that I know of. Okay. Not that I know of. Nobody. Now, he's the inspector general. He would know, right? I mean, he would know. So all this Russia stuff was made up in the first place. That was the excuse that they used to be able to spy on a presidential campaign. So we can make up another excuse for Biden. We can make something up ourselves. In, in, in Trump's case, it was Russia with, with uh, Biden. We'll say it was Ukraine. U- Ukraine's calling, pulling the strings for him. I don't know. We can find something. Corn Pop. Corn Pop's pulling the strings. The guy at the pool that he, he was going to have the smackdown with until Bill Wrightmouse came around and gave him chains to go fight in the pool parking lot. Maybe Corn Pop. Is, is pulling the strings and he's having a, a you know, he's having a little, little the, the marionette. I don't know, but it's very easy to make something up. You see, that's the thing. If you want to make something up, it's easy to do. And then at that point, not hard, apparently not to get FISA warrants, not hard to spy on people, not hard to, to, to use all of this power to influence a presidential campaign. We could do it too, you know. All you lefties out there who think this is no big deal or was justified. And let me also say this, too, because this is nonsense. I'm so tired of hearing this spin like the New York Times spin tonight, which is that the inspector general's report proved that there was no political motivation, no political bias in launching the investigation. It did not prove that. It absolutely did not prove that. It didn't prove that there was because that's not his job. That was not his job to prove what the motivation was. You see, this is something, a trick that Democrats, the left, the media does all the time, right? They go, oh, look, uh, he didn't say that it was politically motivated. Therefore, it it, it wasn't politically motivated. Uh, Therefore, the whole investigation was fine. Vindication. No. The inspector general said, it's not my place to say whether or not an investigation should have taken place. Not my place to say whether or not there are motivations here. And he says, as he refers this for criminal prosecution, potential criminal prosecution, I don't know what the motivations were. Well, not my place to find out. And that's why Bill Barr, the attorney general, and that's why John Durham issued a very rare public statement. John Durham issuing that statement saying that he disagrees with the inspector general's findings that this investigation was not predicated on political bias. But as I read it, the inspector general was not saying it, it, it wasn't. 877-381-3811. No, it's incredible political bias. And I just say we could always do it to them, you know, just for fun. Uh, Anne is in Boston, Massachusetts. Anne, you're on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Great to have you. Can you hear me? I sure can. Oh, hi. So I'm a retired special agent, and I've been the affiant on many um, search warrant affidavits. And the only purpose of a, uh, an affidavit is to show a judge that you have probable cause to believe that a crime is either being committed or has been committed. And the purpose of it is so that you can actually legally um, violate someone's Fourth Amendment right, you know, because there's probable cause. From an agent's perspective, the only reason that one would omit any exculpatory evidence from that affidavit is because if it were included, it would blow the probable cause. 
and there would be no problem. It would basically defeat the purpose of the search warrant affidavit. So I think prima, by prima facie, agents, the, the, the temptation is to exclude it, that, that evidence, because they want that warrant so badly. And that's okay? No, it's horrific. Okay. It, it, no, no, I'm, well, I, I was just trying to understand the, your, your baseline in terms of where you were going with it. And, and, you know, with the FISA court in particular, well, first of all, when they had the exculpatory evidence against Carter Page, they never should have asked for the warrant in the first place. I mean, that, that the, to spy on him, I, I think we could agree on that point, right? Oh, uh, without a doubt. Yeah. What I'm saying is that affidavit should never have ever, ever, ever been approved if it was properly written. Those agents intentionally omitted that evidence because they would do anything to get that surveillance warrant. And that yes. is the, the, I'm agreeing with everything you say, the scary part about it, because it is a secret proceeding, there is never a chance for a defense attorney to ever see how that warrant was obtained, unlike a regular trial. And I'll tell you, I think it goes on more than people realize. It's very, very scary. Well, that's interesting, Anne, and I love your perspective on this, because one of the things that I took away from this is when the inspector general said, we got to rethink and look at our entire process of getting these surveillance warrants, because this may be happening to other people, too. It may not just be limited to the Trump campaign. It, it, again, when you have no procedure in place that, you know, our judicial system is entirely an adversarial system where a defense attorney gets to push back against the government and challenge the evidence. Because that component is missing in the FISA court warrant, when you don't have that, it is, it, as Trey Gowdy has said and, 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 and Mike Lee, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I, I, I think every FISA warrant should be, um, should be reviewed from the last 10 years. And I think you'd be appalled at what you find. Excellent points. And thank you for the call. Appreciate it very much for weighing in on that perspective as a former federal agent. 877-381-3811. Yeah, I mean, she looks, she's right. The FISA court is largely a rubber stamp for the government, and they approve warrants about 98.9% of the time or something like that. It's that close. And there is no due process involved in it. There is no defense attorney present. And so because of that, the judge has a very high bar. He's, the judge has to do the job of protecting your civil liberties. And in order for that to work, you you got to make sure the government's got to make sure they give the judge everything. Because otherwise, the judge can't do anything to protect your civil liberties. There, and there's no defense attorney in the room present, so that you don't have the ability to have any counsel represent you. They're there making all these claims in secret. You don't even know about it. So the judge has to be the one to look out for your civil liberties. And the only way that can function properly is if the government gives the judge everything. Your Honor, you got to know this, too. This dossier, which we're relying on, paid for by the DNC, paid for by rival candidates. We have reason to believe it's politically motivated. We have reason to believe we doubt this. Reason to believe that there's problems with Christopher Steele. Oh, and also, Your Honor, you should know this Carter Page. Yeah, uh, he's a CIA. They, they did stuff with him, so it, he's probably on our side. But you know what I mean? That, And then a judge hopefully can make a determination and go, well, this is ridiculous. Why are we spying on this guy? Why are we surveilling this guy? But if you leave the, the, all that information out and the judge doesn't have that opportunity to do so, to be able to look into the details of this application and decide whether or not this is warranted and whether or not they've met the burden of proof and that your civil liberties are not good. I mean, they are going to be violated once they start spying on you. That's obvious, right? That's obvious. 
So if a judge is going to allow that to occur, he's got to make sure, she's got to make sure that they, they, they have a very high bar that they've met the burden of proof, the standard by which they can then go on and say, go ahead, go spy on American citizens. And she's absolutely right. It probably does happen more than you think. And I agree with her 100% that they should look back at every single warrant in the last 10 years. This is a reason why guys like Mike Lee have said we have to reform the FISA court. And a lot of these Republicans, you know, the, the keep us safe crowd, as I call them, they just want us to be safe. So, no, leave FISA alone. It's fine. We got to be we got to be safe. We got to be safe. Listen, we got to be safe, but we also have to be safe from our government. You know, it's not just being safe from terrorists overseas or crazy people here at home. It's also being safe from our government, a tyrannical government that could crush us. So we also have to be safe from that. And that's where the Bill of Rights comes in, to keep us safe from our government, to give us safeguards to secure our liberty so that the government doesn't crush us. And we have to make sure in our zeal to keep us safe from bad guys overseas or within the country, we don't forget that the government has more power than they do and can be just as dangerous, maybe even more so. 877-381-3811. You, you allow the government to affect the outcome of a presidential election? I'd say that's about as dangerous as it gets. The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, 877-381-3811, coming right back. Mark Levin. music, Mr. Producer. Well done. By the way, uh, to this point of there was no political bias in the IG's report, something the media has been parroting over and over again. Uh, there was an exchange today with Mike Lee and the Inspector General Horowitz, which really debunks that. And in the third hour of the Mark Levin show, I'm going to share it with you because you need to, to understand this. I'm going to break it down. I, I'm going to read it because I didn't ask Mr. Producer to pull the audio because I gave him 750 clips. But this is I, I have the transcript. And right there proves that, in fact, yes, yeah, really, the inspector general does think and can't rule out the fact that political bias was, in fact, used. So stick around for that, because you're going to be able to, to, to know that more than, well, anybody else. You'll be able to push back on all your Facebook friends who keep saying that there was no political bias. Let us go to, let us see, Ken is in San Francisco, California. Ken, how are you surviving in California, in San Francisco of all places? Oh, my God, it's terrible. Um, Do you, you clean know, up the poop on the streets? Is that your job, or is that somebody else's job? That, that is not mine, but I see people having to do it. It's terrible. It's disgusting. I think the city and, pays them like six figures, though, to do it, right? Pretty much. Well, oh. you have to make at least six just to rent an apartment. Right. Yeah, it's bad. Um, so uh, thanks for taking my call, Rich. Um, so the part about the political bias, if they knew that Steele's dossier was made by Steele, which they knew he was politically biased, and they used that dossier knowing that Steele's politically biased and that he created it. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that disprove the theory that there wasn't any political bias? A hundred percent. A hundred percent, Ken. Well said. Absolutely. Because the origins of that dossier are in, inherently political, and there's political bias, which is clearly stated in the dossier, and political bias behind the funding of it. You're 100% right. You're absolutely. Well, great point on that. 
written proof. And they said, because they go, well, there was no written proof. Well, that is written proof. So, yeah, it, that flies in the face of uh, Horowitz's statement. But uh, anyway, uh, long trial. I'd like to see a long Senate trial. The more stuff they uncover that the Democrats did, the better not only the president will do, but the better the House will go back to re Republican majority, and the better chances the Senate will stay Republican majority. I agree. Ken, great call, my friend. Uh, good luck surviving in San Francisco and California. I wish you the best. And thank you for calling the Mark Levin Show. You're going to hear exactly why this was politically motivated. I haven't even got to the attorney general what he said last night on television. You got to hear that, too. And the president signed a very important executive order today and recognized the Jewish faith in his family. All that straight ahead. Hour three of the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Don't go away. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. And the Democrats are feeling the heat on impeachment. Oh, yes. That's why some of them are saying, please, can we just do censure, please? Welcome back. Hour number three of the Mark Levin Show. The great one's off tonight. Back with you tomorrow night. Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia, Mark's hometown. Great to be with you. Always love when we have a chance to hang out together. 877-381-3811. Of course, I have to be up to be on the air at 530 in the morning tomorrow on WPHD, but that's okay because I will be running on adrenaline and a lot of it. It was a busy day today between this uh, inspector general hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, the reaction to the impeachment and the political analysis, which I still got to give you. And then the president signed a very important executive order today to combat anti-Semitism, which, you know, it's funny to me, too. All these people in the media, they, they, they want so badly for this president to be a bigot. And they lie. They lie all the time. They keep taking that whole good people on both sides thing out of context when the president clearly says, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. But they leave that out of it just to advance their fake narrative that he's some sort of a racist. They accuse him of being an anti-Semite all the time. His his closest advisor, Jared Kushner, is Jewish. And his wife, Ivanka, converted. And their kids are being raised Jewish. And the president recognized that today by saying, I I'm, I'm very proud of the Jewish faith within my family. As he was there to sign this executive order to combat anti-Semitism. And I'm sure Mark's going to talk a lot about that tomorrow night. Alan Dershowitz was there, too. And, and like I said, if you missed uh, the great one with Alan Dershowitz on his Sunday night show on Fox News, watch it. You got to see it because it was a great exchange. The Dersh and Mark Levin just breaking it down in terms of what the founders, the framers thought and why the president's due process rights are being violated. But this whole notion of the impeachment hurting Donald Trump, and I've said this to you, and I believe it with my core being, this is not hurting the president. This is only helping him. His base is fired up. We are finally seeing what, what actually went on here with our government, spying on people, using its power for political purposes. My God, I mean, all this is coming to light now. But meanwhile, Joe Biden has a lot of problems with the Ukraine. And, and I read this Washington Post story earlier today. They say everywhere he goes now, he's being asked about Ukraine everywhere he goes. And the problem is 
he's a dope and he says whatever comes to his mind. He doesn't really have a mind. So he spits out stupid things. He gets angry at people that ask him questions, calls people names, called the guy fat last week or earlier in the week. I mean, he's unhinged and they don't actually have talking points for him because they just assume, well, it won't come up. No, no, it's coming up everywhere he goes. People are asking him. Did you help your son get a job? Did you help your son enrich himself? This is bad for Joe Biden. And it would not surprise me in the least, having worked on political campaigns, if uh, other Democrats were the ones sending in those people to ask the questions. Why wouldn't you? You know, the campaigns can send in people to say, get there and ask this. And it's the last thing Biden wants to hear about. Meanwhile, President Trump was in Hershey last night. Crowd loved him. Enthusiastic. He's fired up. It was great. In contrast, those two things, Joe Biden trying to get to a a little event with maybe 30 people showing up and and half the room wants to talk about Ukraine. He gets nasty with them and bitter, accuses them of lying, calls them names. And that's because Joe Biden knows how bad this really is. So wait till the Senate trial when we get to bring in Joe Biden and cross-examine Hunter. I can't wait for that. I hope it happens. I really hope it happens. But let's return to this notion that there was no political bias in the start of the investigation. Let's 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 go in this talking point you hear from the media all the time. This 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 idea that this report in some way, shape or form, this inspector general's report vindicated the whole investigation, proved once and for all it was just good people trying to just do right for America. I heard Anderson Cooper say that the other day. I almost fell out of my chair. Not Anderson Cooper it was. Yeah, well, think of what. Yes. Yes, it was Anderson Cooper. I almost fell out of my chair. You know, these were just good people just trying to do good for America, doing the best they could. No, they weren't. These were people with political motivations who wanted to use our government to get their way politically. That's what this was. And this report in no way, shape or form vindicates them. It doesn't vindicate Comey. It doesn't vindicate anybody. Here's Senator Mike Lee, member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, one of the sharpest minds in the Senate. Take a listen. So we're faced with two possibilities. Either one, these FBI agents purposely used the power of the federal government to wage a political war against a presidential candidate they despised. Or two, these agents were so incompetent that they allowed a paid foreign political operative to weaponize the the FISA program into a spying operation on a rival presidential political campaign. I'm not sure about you, but I'm not sure which one is worse. I I am sure that neither conclusion is acceptable. They're both horrifying for slightly different reasons. I'm not sure there is a substantive distinction between the two of them. I'm not sure one can conclude. I'm not sure it's possible to conclude that the bias evident in communications between some of these investigators wasn't at least a part of it. Now, the fact that you say that there wasn't a causal connection between them, that there wasn't a sine qua non with uh, a but-for causal chain uh, between those communications and the opening of the investigation itself is beside the point. The fact is that these were agents who made their bias clear, and they went after someone in part because they did not like his candidacy, and that's inexcusable. Also, Lee continued and said, isn't the lack of evidence on bias evidence that we really should take as bias? But it's in any event, it's certainly not itself indicative that no bias occurred. Isn't that correct? 
To wit, the inspector general responded, as to the opening of the investigation, which is in a different place than the FISA issues that you have identified and I talked about earlier, I think it is two different situations. On the FISA side, we found, as you noted, a lack of documentary and testimonial evidence about intentionality. But we noted the lack of satisfactory explanations and, in fact, leave open the possibility for the reasons you indicated it is unclear what the motivations were. On the other hand, gross incompetence, negligence, on the other hand, intentionality, and we're in between. We weren't in a position with the evidence we had to make that conclusion, but we are not ruling it out. To wit, Senator Mike Lee says, my point here, the lack of evidence here is not evidence that there is no bias. The bias being to the opening of the investigation. Inspector General says, I am solely basing it correct on the actual evidence that we have. And Mike Lee says, thank you very much. Now, remember the Attorney General and U.S. Attorney John Durham, who's leading the investigation, the criminal investigation of the FBI's conduct. They both came out and said that there's no doubt that the Inspector General is wrong to conclude that this investigation was started without political bias. So then the Inspector General had to basically clarify what he said. And he did. He said the staff couldn't reach a conclusion about what motivated the FISA abuse. He reiterated reiterated that several times today, that the conduct of the investigation was a separate matter from launching it. Joel Pollack wrote this over at Breitbart. Uh, Great piece. Yes, exactly right. They can't rule it out. And, and, And to Mike Lee's point, obviously the bias is on full display. And now all of that has been referred to John Durham for potential criminal prosecution. But you and I both know, we know this. I mean, you know this because you're a smart person. You're a Levinite like I am. You, you know bias when you hear it and when you see it. But the bias is that the media is now running around going, vindication, this report was in no way political in nature. This, this, uh, this investigation, I mean, there's no way was it opened in, because of bias or politics. That is not true. That is another lie by the media, another spin, another twist. Another turn to try to somehow justify what happened here. And I'll tell you, as you uh, as you break this down and you think about what took place here and you think about what could potentially occur next, you think about where this could all go down the road. I mean, there are people who could literally be in prison over this and they should because they broke the law. Here's Chairman Lindsey Graham today with the Inspector General about Pfizer surveillance without a legal foundation, without a legal foundation. And this is key, right? Because remember, your due process rights, the Bill of Rights is there to protect you from your government. So your government can't just make up stuff and abuse you for political purposes. The founders, the framers, they didn't want a king to be able to just say, oh, you disagree with me? Well, here are these trumped up charges. Off with their head. That's why you have all these protections from your government. And so if the government breaks the law, if it's an illegal investigation, if it's illegal, if it's not predicated on legal grounds, then in and of itself, then it is, in fact, illegal. And then whoever is behind that has some real explaining to do. Cut 14. So let's let's play this out. They never told Trump about the concerns. Is it fair to say they came a point to where surveilling Carter Page became unlawful? Um, 
I will let the court decide that. The court has this report and will make that decision. Let's put it this way. If you don't have a legal foundation to surveil somebody and you keep doing it, is that bad? Absolutely. Is that spying? Um, it's it's not it's illegal surveillance. It's not court authorized. Whatever surveillance illegal surveillance means, they did it. Right, illegal surveillance, uh, spying. I mean, we can play these word games all night. I'm fine. I'm happy to do so. It's great for vocabulary. And my son's five, and I'm teaching him how to read. So I'm happy to do word games all night. I don't actually read this stuff to him, but I got to stay sharp on my words. You know what I mean? It's uh, not easy. So sure, spying or illegal surveillance. If you want to use that politically correct term, illegal surveillance instead of spying, knock yourself out. Inspector General, have at it, sir. Go ahead. Enjoy. Knock yourself out. But you know it's the same damn thing, right? It's exactly the same. Spying and illegal surveillance is exactly the same. Spying can be legal or illegal. But actually, I would say since spying could be legal if it's done against a foreign entity and we authorize it as a country and shouldn't be done against American citizens, but spying could theoretically be legal. But illegal surveillance is never legal. So actually, illegal surveillance is, a, is, is much worse. So I like that. Illegal surveillance. And that's exactly what it was. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in our third hour together. I want to hear from you on this. And the question is still out there. Long Senate trial or quick Senate trial? What do you prefer? I say long Senate trial. Drag it out. Bring all these bad actors right there in the center of it all. I want to hear about it. I want it exposed. I want to know each and everything and then expose it to the American people. I want to learn all about Hunter Biden and Burisma and what Joe Biden knew and what he didn't know. Play it all out just like they would do to us. 877-381-3811 coming right back. Mark Levin. Notice how uh, nasty Nancy Pelosi sounded yesterday and today. I mean, she's just nasty. It, it's she sounds really angry. And this is the question that I asked earlier. If impeachment was such a political winner for Democrats, wouldn't they drag this on into the spring, drag it on into the summer? The minute they vote on impeachment, it's over. It goes to the Senate. They know that. They know the Senate's going to vindicate them. So it's out of their hands. I just, you know, listening to Pelosi. She's just angry at everybody. I don't want to talk about impeachment anymore. And then, you know, it's funny, too, because she's she's there putting the USMCA out there, finally, this trade agreement. And I'm convinced it's completely done just for those 31 Democrats I mentioned to you earlier. 31 Democrats who are running in districts that Donald Trump won, and they're going to be on the ballot with him this time around, and they need something to run on. And I think that's why she put USMCA up. But I also think it comes with a quid pro quo. that They got to vote for impeachment. You know, she admitted Democrats have been hell bent on impeachment for more than two years. I'm going to play that for you in just a few minutes as well. You got to hear that, too. This is very, very important stuff here on the Mark Levin Show. But let us go to Alan. He is uh, a trucker listening on Sirius Radio in Huntsville, Alabama. Alan, good to have you on the show. Uh, Wonderful to be here. You're doing a fantastic fantastic job tonight. Thank you, sir. Listen, uh, I want to talk tonight. I am... I'm beyond angry. I can't even articulate the the rage that I'm feeling for a number of reasons. 
Um, everybody, to me, on the left and on the right, seem to be missing the main point. They're saying things like, well, you know, this is revenge for what we did to Clinton, which could be true. They say that they're doing this because of their utter and complete hatred and contempt for the president, which is, can be true, and a whole number of other reasons that in and of themselves could be true, but does not even touch uh, what is truly going on, and, and it is this. You have the, the CIA, you have the FBI, and a number of other organizations who fall under the umbrella of the executive branch. And you have the congressional branch who is supposed to give oversight to make sure that we are protected from overreach of these branches of government. Right. And what we've had is the president. We've had these other departments and the congressional branch conspiring against the citizens of the United States, not just against the president-elect or the upcoming president. They consider themselves so elite, they consider themselves so big and so above we lowly Americans that our constitutional rights, our civil liberties, are not even to be considered. We are so worthless to them that they oh, can throw you, you, our rights. You know what? You're making such a great point. It's absolutely true. And I, and I got I to gotta run, Alan. Thanks for the call. Drive safe, my friend. But you're making such a great point, which is that uh, we are nothing to them. We're we're expendable to the government. We we have no meaning to them. We don't have no value to them. That's why when I listen to all these people trying to defend what happened here, I think to myself, what if it was done to you? What if we did it to you? What if we were so worried about what kind of a president Elizabeth Warren would be, or that Bernie Sanders would take us down the road of socialism that we decided, hey, we got to use our law enforcement. We got to use our law enforcement, our national intelligence apparatus. We got to use it to stop him. How would you like it? I, I, I absolutely, without question, believe that the powerful elite in this country believes that we are nothing more than expendable little numbers. And this is one of the reasons why at Trump's rally last night, he was crushing it because the people get it that he doesn't view us that way. He doesn't see us that way. And they know that. And that's why he's going to get reelected. Rich Zioli in for Mark Levin, the great one, 877-381-3811, coming right back. Mark Levin, a proud conservative. No ifs, ands, or buts. Call in at 877-381-3811. And so great to be with you tonight. Mark will be back with you tomorrow night. Rich Zioli from WPHT in Philadelphia. Morning Drive, great to be with you. 877-381-3811. couple weeks ago, I had the honor of being in the Oval Office with the president. And uh, I did a uh, short conversation with him, which you can hear. Uh, I've got... Uh, it's posted everywhere, but if you go on my Twitter and my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Zioli Show, you can see it. The president was incredibly gracious. We were talking about the USMCA, among other things, and why it's beneficial to Pennsylvania, and he loves Pennsylvania. He was just just so kind. He showed me the private office, the dining room, and it was a it was a wonderful day at the White House. It absolutely was, and 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 I'm and I'm grateful. 
for an opportunity like that, it's it's just absolutely amazing. And I was really glad tonight to see the president recognize the work of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump in getting this executive order signed to deal with anti-Semitism on college campuses. Because, you know, it's one thing to disagree with policy. It's another thing, the, the displays of shutting down speech, uh, the displays of, of calling names to people, the, the absolute... Uh, by these pro-Palestinian groups on college campuses, the behavior is despicable. And and I'm really happy the president's addressing it. But again, you know, this is a guy who values family, loves his family, and loves the, the ability to be able to show his family to the world. And guess what? A lot of them are Jewish. And yet, how many times is he called an anti-Semite? How many times is he called a racist? How many times is he, is, he, is he called all these horrific words? I mean, ever since day one, they've been saying these terrible things about him. Terrible things that are not true. You don't have a, a, a daughter convert to Judaism, and then the guy she married is your, your top advisor. I mean, Jared is doing a great job for the president. He's, he's in, in doing everything now. He's, <laughs> I just read he's going to be dealing with, the, with China now. You don't have a guy like that around you if you're an anti-Semite. And the president had a lot of Jewish leaders around him tonight and a number of people. And yet the media, the left, they continue to do this narrative of he's the next Hitler. They say all these horrible things. That idiot Joe Scarborough on MSNBC every morning, every morning brings up a reference to Hitler. It's like it's or Stalin or Pol Pot. I mean, depending on the day, he does have a different dictator. It's like dictator week. It'll be Stalin one week and then then he'll come back and Hitler the next week and then Pol Pot after that. And then, you know, Mao. Have, but th- that's Joe Scarborough. And that, I mean, that's what he does. It's but the truth is that if you know the president, you understand he's a he's a really nice guy. He's a really nice guy. He's very hospitable, very gracious. In fact, the hardest part is trying to keep him on schedule because he always he just keeps talking to people. And it's funny, too, because you know, I was in there with him. And in full disclosure, I, I, I did some some early work on his campaign. So when he saw me at the White House, he he recognized me right away. And he said, oh, he's been with me since day one. Come on in the Oval Office. And one of the staff members, one of the press uh, press people was giving me the sign to wrap it up. And, and the president kind of gives the, the high sign like, hey, stop, keep it going. But I, I knew he had to get to a cabinet meeting and I. I don't want to be selfish with his time, so I wrapped it up. But that's probably the biggest problem is just sometimes keeping him on schedule because he just he loves to talk to people, loves to show him around. I, I have no doubts that if I said to him, Mr. President, can I get a quick tour of the residence? Can I check it out? He would have been like, yeah, let's go. Come on, let's do it. Cabinet can wait. He's that kind of a guy. I don't agree with him on everything. He would not want me to agree with him on everything. He wouldn't want you to agree with him on everything, despite what the media also says. We're not Kool-Aid drinkers either. We can have disagreements on things. But you know what's amazing, though, is that there are things that he does agree with Democrats on that they could have pushed through, right? Like, say, prescription drug controls or prescription drug pricing initiatives. He'd probably have a harder time with Republicans and conservatives like me and Mark Levin than he would with Democrats. But where is that, Bill? Where is that? The president loves the the idea of a big infrastructure package. I, I imagine that you'd have some fiscal conservatives concerned about it. But Democrats would be all in. They've been promising infrastructure for years. As long as it included trains, they love trains. But where is that infrastructure package? The truth is they do not want to give him a win on anything, but he really doesn't need them because the economy is, is, is incredible right now. He doesn't need them. And they're realizing that. And the whole purpose of my visit at the White House that day was to discuss the United States, Mexico, Canada trade agreement. So I, I interviewed a number of different people on the cabinet and we talked all about it and really the impact on Pennsylvania because my show is local, it's not national. 
and what it would mean for the state of Pennsylvania and our region in general. And, you know, the USMCA is something that they had a deal on a year ago. The only reason why Pelosi is moving it now is because she knows she's got to give those 31 Democrats something. These are the 31 Democrats who won in districts that Donald Trump won in 2016. They're all up for re-election, as is the president. But it turns out that Nancy Pelosi, she has been trying for this impeachment, and this impeachment thing's been going on for years, for years. But before I get to that, Alan Dershowitz today said something really, uh, really positive about the president as he was signing this executive order. And, and, and again, I, if you haven't seen the interview with Alan Dershowitz and Mark Levin on Mark's show Sunday night on Fox News, Life, Liberty and Levin, Life, Liberty and Levin, go watch it. Go check it out on Mark's website because it's absolutely must see TV. These two constitutional minds discussing impeachment together is great. But here was today the Dersh at the White House after the president uh, was about to sign the executive order. For 65 of my 81 years, I have spent at universities uh, all over the country and all over the world. There is no more important event in those 65 years to turn universities away from being bastions of hatred and discrimination than this executive order being signed today. It is a game changer. It will go down in history as one of the most important events in the 2,000-year battle against anti-Semitism. Thank you, Mr. President. You did a great, great job. The people who helped you do this did a great, great job. And you will be remembered by history for all time for having signed this very important order. And how about that? And I'll tell you what, the Dersh would not be for it if it in any way trampled free speech. No way, because he's a he's a staunch defender of, of civil liberties. He's like the last liberal out there, the last true liberal. There are no real liberals left. They're all crazy people that just want more big government. They're not liberals. It's very different. They're leftists is what they are. They're leftists, and they are dangerous people. And that's who's in charge of the Democrat Party right now. And, and honestly, since Donald Trump got elected president, they have been trying to impeach him. I remember I was doing a live show at uh, Chickies and Pete's in Philadelphia on Inauguration Day. And I said that day, I said, you know, they're going to try to impeach him now, right? Caller calls up. Come on, Zioli. Why would they? For what? And I said, the what is not relevant. It's the when. They'll find something. Little did I know they'd find all of these things. They're all made up, but they would find them. They would make them up. They would do it, exaggerate. And Pelosi admitted to that. The Speaker of the House admitted to the fact that this has been going on for, for two and a half years now. And as she admits that, you have to stop and think. The Democrats have not been willing to try and compromise with this president on anything. Even things that he wanted to do that, that he had disagreements with, with, with Republicans on. They had no interest in it. The minute they got the majority, it was all about impeaching this president. I mean, believe me, it was it was about that before they got the majority. But once they actually got the majority, then then it was about putting it into motion. Prior to that, it was just a dream. Cut six. One of the biggest criticisms of the process has been the speed at which the House Democrats are moving. If this is, but seriously though, seriously. It's been going on for 22 months, okay? (laughs) Two and a half years, actually. There has been some criticism though, I will say, about whether or not you should move forward before the end of the year or wait for the courts. Why do you think now is the time to move? Well, I think we're not moving with speed. This, uh, was it two and a half years ago that they initiated uh, the Mueller uh, investigation? Which found nothing, which found no collusion. 
Think about this out. Long before the president ever had a phone call with the president of Ukraine, they were working on impeachment. 22 months, two and a half years. And believe me, Nancy Pelosi has been around for a very, 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 very long time. She's eternal and she knows years. She knows it by the minute. She does. And believe me, it's draining. It's very draining on all of us. 22 months of impeachment. So, you know, the people that act like, well, this phone call with Ukraine, that was just the next excuse, the next try. And there's a Democrat congresswoman who admitted today, if Trump gets reelected, they'll impeach him again. They'll keep trying. And he's got all these different entities that are coming after him. It's amazing. Don't forget the city of New York and the state of New York. They're still coming after him, too, trying to get his financial records. And that has nothing to do with when him as president. All of these records are before he ever got elected. And there is nothing that empowers the Congress to be able to look into his private life as a private citizen before he became president. You can't impeach a president for the stuff he did before he became president. That is never the intention of the impeachment clause. But they don't care. They'll, they'll impeach him for that, too. I'm sure if he got into a fistfight in high school, they'll try to add that as one of the articles of impeachment. This has been going on for 22 months. That's not me saying that. That's Nancy Pelosi saying that. That is, that is the speaker saying that. And she's so nasty, too. If, if this was a political winner for them, I keep asking this question. Why would you want to just quickly have a vote and wrap it up? See, the truth is, in that clip, she's showing her hand. Whoever is asking the question is right. What is the speed? Why are you rushing through this phase of it? She goes, rushing. It's 22 months, two and a half years. Actually, this part of it, this phase of it, she is moving very quickly. Why? If it's been two and a half years, why not make it three and a half years? Right? What's the rush? Why not have it go until Labor Day? Right before the presidential election. Hell, why not have investigations up until Election Day? Why do it now? The minute the House votes, it's out of their hands. So why do it now? The answer lies in those 31 Democrats I mentioned to you. Those 31 Democrats who have to run again in districts that Donald Trump won, uh, that's why. They want this over with so they can, they can either, if they have to vote yes, But I'm hearing more and more that Nancy Pelosi is letting them, some of them are going to be able to vote no if it means saving their seat. But again, if this was so politically popular, why would anyone have to vote no? Why would they have to rush it? Why would they try to put this to bed as quickly as possible? Put it away into the dark before the sun comes up. Why would they try to do that, huh? Because it's not politically popular. That's why. It's a political disaster for them. And the president said it last night at the rally. You know, he said, their dumb impeachment is only helping my polls. And it's true. They are so politically stupid. I mean, I can't even understand their, what is, well, actually I can. It's it's the Godfather. It's the Godfather part two. It's never hate your enemy because it clouds your judgment. They hate him. They hate him. They they, they absolutely despise him with every ounce of their being. And that's why they're doing this because those 31 districts I mentioned, those are not solid blue districts, but think of the people who are pushing this at the top. Maxine Waters, who's crazy. She's got a very blue district in California. Gerald Adler has a safe blue district. Adam Schiff, safe blue district. Nancy Pelosi, safe blue district. You see the difference? Those districts, what they have to worry about is a primary challenge from some kook on the left who's kookier than they are, who will pull an AOC and uh, beat them in a primary. That's what their concern is. 
In fact, there's a guy down in South Jersey. You've seen him on Fox News. His name is Jeff Van Drew. He's a freshman congressman. He's a Democrat. He's saying he's against impeachment. He got a threatening letter the other day from the local county Democrat bosses in New Jersey threatening him, saying, if you don't get on board, you may have a primary challenge. So Jeff Van Drew is smart enough to know that if he signs on to impeachment, he's done. He, he is, it's over for him. He has no chance of being reelected. But the party leadership doesn't care because the party leadership, they're ideologues too. And, and the ideologues that are running the Democrat party, they're completely driven by emotion. They're completely driven by rage. And the promise of socialism, the promise of, a, of, of an America, a meritopia, as Mark wrote, an American utopia based on their socialist nonsense. And they know that Donald Trump stands in their way and they can't figure out why the guy's so popular because he's so grotesque to them. And they can't stand how well the economy is doing. They hate it. They're so angry. And that's why they're driven by emotion. And when you're driven, anything in life, when you let emotion guide you, you tend to make mistakes. You tend to be sloppy. So you got to be of sober mind. You got to make a sound judgment. But does this sound like sound judgment to you in any way, shape, or form? 877-381-3811, The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Our final calls and final thoughts straight ahead. Mark Levin. Thank you for letting me hang out with you tonight. It's an honor whenever Mark asked me to fill in for him. I absolutely love it and uh, love hanging out with you. And I appreciate it, even though I got to be back on the air at 530 a.m. It's totally worth it. And uh, it's been great to get your calls and your tweets and your emails and I always enjoy it. Let us go to Tim in Homer, New York. Tim, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yes. Yes, Rich. Uh, nice to talk to you. Hey, listen, I, I know the question is whether... McConnell squashes this as soon as possible, or whether the Republicans milk it for all it's worth. But my concern is the press is never going to report on anything that that favors the Republicans anyways. Won't they just turn their coverage off? Well, maybe, but we have the ability to get coverage out in different ways. I mean, talk radio is a great example of that, right? Uh, Fox News, Newsmax, uh, One American News. I mean, there's lots of different platforms. But the question is not we shouldn't do things based on what the media is going to do, because we know the media is always going to be unfair. We got to do things based on what's best for us. Tim, thanks for the call. Appreciate it very much. What's what's best for us? And I just believe What's best for us is showing and exposing the corruption with the Bidens. I really do. I really believe this trial is an opportunity to do that. Now, you know, you're going to hear people that say, well, then they may call Pompeo or Pence or who, so what? Who cares? Those guys didn't do anything wrong. What are we worried about? It's just it's just an opportunity. I, I, ju I, I just want to see them exposed for who they are. I want the world to hear Joe Biden have to explain what he meant when he said Fire the prosecutor or else I'm leaving with that money. I want to hear Hunter Biden talk about what he did on the board of Burisma. I want to hear it all. And I want to know what Barack Obama knew and when Barack Obama knew it. I want to know if anyone ever said to Barack Obama, Mr. President, are you concerned that the vice president's son is on this board of this country and he's a liaison and we just gave them all this money, even though you won't let them use the money to defend themselves against the Russians? Now, that's the other ironic piece of all this, right? Trump allows the money to be used to actually let them defend themselves. 
And yet somehow he's risked national security of Ukraine and the United States of America. It's laughable. And this obstruction of Congress nonsense. Hey, you know what? And I'm sure, Mark, we'll get into this more in detail tomorrow. But the president has a right to attorney-client privilege just like anybody else. And he didn't stop anybody from going to testify in front of their little sham committees. He didn't disband Congress. He didn't dismiss Congress. He didn't lock anybody up. All he did was do what anybody else would do, which is to preserve their attorney-client privilege, preserve their whatever executive privilege they have. And he did not defy any court orders. He was never ordered by the Supreme Court to turn anything over, and he said no. So how do you obstruct Congress, especially when you didn't do anything wrong? What are you obstructing? Hey, thanks for being part of the show tonight. Always appreciate when I get the chance to be in for Mark Levin. You can catch me 530 to 9 on 1210 WPHD in Philly or on Twitter at Rich Zioli, Z-E-O-L-I. And the great one will be back with you tomorrow night with, I imagine, some really cool stories. God bless and stay safe and keep up the good fight.